Hello and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl. And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. Chuck, Nancy, and Donald, this is the show. I was over there at the White House. As this unfolded, I want to go through it in detail, analyze all of the implications for the next two years, Rick Klein. We've learned a lot about what divided government's going to look like. And if it's any indication, Mike Pence is going to be in for quite a show. I loved his facial expressions as Chuck, Nancy, and uh, and the president uh, went at it. Uh, you get a couple of New York guys, along with um, the, the daughter of the mayor of Baltimore, and some interesting things happen in the Oval Office. And I guess the big question, John, as we play this through... I. Did, did who played whom here? Like wh- wh- who walks away bigger for this exchange? Did did Chuck and Nancy fall into a trap, or are they now bigger power players because they played the president? Um, I will give you the answer to that in a little bit, but I want to go through it all and also to tell you uh, we're going to do things a little differently here on Powerhouse Politics today. We have a surprise guest who we're going to join after the break, uh, who will actually give us, I think possibly a very definitive answer to that question you just asked, but can also talk to us about the other big issue here in the nation's capital as we watch what's going on in the world. Uh, A lot of mystery, a lot of anticipation, uh, you know, really pivotal moment in our nation's history in terms of our nation's pastime. What is going to happen to Bryce Harper and Manny Machado? Um, Two of the biggest free agents coming up at the same time, both from the Baltimore-Washington metropolitan area, uh, both about to leave, I believe. But anyway, let's— Two big topics for the price of one today. Two, two big it. topics, and we will get to our surprise guest. But first, let's go through what exactly happened. First of all, a little bit of background uh, on this uh, from what was happening over at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. We, of course, knew uh, that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer were coming to the White House. That was, you know, no, no secret. Um, we got the White House schedule, which we eagerly look at— um, uh, every morning or the night before, if we get it the night before. And it listed this meeting, but it also had the words in italics right underneath it, closed press. And that means? That means there's no press. That ah, means it's okay. closed to the press. It's Got kind it. of a, and we understand from our Democratic sources uh, up on the Hill um, that they were informed that this was going to be a private first meeting with the president since the midterms, first meeting with the presumptive incoming Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, as the presumptive incoming Speaker of the House. And, um, you know, so I'm sitting at the White House wondering what's going on. They come in. We get, we get word because we have our, our cameras out there in West Exec. We, we, we see them come in. And about two minutes after they arrived, uh, the pool call went out. Mm. That's, that's, you know, the, um, you know basically the, 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 the notice that goes over the speaker system right. in the press office, press area. Uh, pool assemble now. And the pool with the cameras got called in immediately. I got a sense the president was planning that all along. What do you think? Well, I, I always thought there'd be something of of, uh, of, of, of posturing for the cameras, that the, the president wouldn't let the opportunity go by of him with Chuck and Nancy in the Oval Office uh, and not allow any recorded video of it. He loves how this stuff plays out on television. But I also kind of thought that would be a quickie. And then the real turkey would get talked when the cameras are out. That's usually what happens, right, John? Well, when you well, have well, you a know, first like of all, there's a sliding scale, as you know. So, so uh, first of all, there can be a totally closed meeting where mm-hmm. there's nothing. Uh, or if it's a sensitive meeting but they want to make it official that it happened and make people understand that it happened, they can put out a photograph, a White House photograph. That uh, irritates us because it seems a little bit like state right. news organization. There's no free press in there. They, you know, but, but they can do that. Or 
They can do uh, a stills only spray, which we also don't like because that means no editorial. But they, they bring in the official, you know, mm-hmm. the, 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 the White House photographers, the professionals <clears throat> who work for various news organizations. Or they can do a classic photo op, which is you bring folks in, they take pictures, you shove them out. Maybe you say a couple of pleasantries before you shove them out. John Carl y- yells a question. They don't answer yeah, it. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in this case, uh, 17 minutes roughly um, uh, of full-on – I mean uh, quite remarkable. So should we go through some of Let's it? Let's do it. Before, okay. For history. So, f- first of all, it started out – Kind of nicely. I mean, you, were, you, you, you saw that. I mean, sure. the president you know, welcomed uh, the two leaders, thanked them for coming, talked about some issues where they agree and will be able to work together, including prison reform, which has been something Democrats have wanted to do for a long time. Republicans have resisted, and the president looks like he's making it happen. And then at the end of the president's remarks, he brought up the subject. And then we have the easy one, the wall. That'll be the one that will be the easiest of all. What do you think, Chuck? Maybe not? It's called funding the government, Mr. President. (laughs) So we're going to see. But I will tell you, the wall will get built. We'll see what happens. Tremendous amounts of wall have already been built. Well, um, so that was, you know, I mean, the president was being kind of funny about it. But he he did go on at some length, and he had some stats. I don't, you know, I mean, we can fact check them later if you like. Fact check, um, not true. I mean, even though (laughs) tremendous amounts of wall have already been built, that hasn't happened, obviously. So he did say that. He said tremendous amounts of wall have already been built, right? Right, right. Patently false. Okay, so let me let me walk you through. I, I talked to a senior White House official afterwards, and I said, I, 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 "Really?" I, I said, "The president knows that that's not true, right?" And this official said to me, "Well, actually, there have been about 115 miles of wall either built or repaired." Okay. Okay. And I said, "Can you give me the details?" And then I said, "Well, no, just just get that from the Department of Homeland Security." So we. Immediately called the Department of Homeland Security and asked for, asked for information on this. The one question which we asked, which was, can you give me this precisely what new wall has been built? You know, right. where and what and how much? And we, we still don't have that answer. I think it's because it's nothing. But, um, <laughs> um, but then we got uh, basically a total of 31 miles of existing wall that have been either repaired or replaced. Uh, I went back to my White House official and I said, well, what is, where did that come from? He said, well, this was something that the Secretary of Homeland Security told the president earlier that morning. And he had left in another thing. He said, uh, built, repaired, or a barbed wire. Uh, ah, place. Wall slash barbed wire. But I don't think there's a, you know, that would be like 80 miles of barbed wire. So what's, what's interesting about this piece of the exchange, John, is that this is the kind of thing the president says all the time. He says it all the time in, in speeches and in campaign events, and it's always wrong when he says it. But this is a little bit different because now he's saying it in front of elected officials that have a little bit of power and that are willing to contradict him to his face. A little bit yeah. change in the dynamic of Washington there. Yeah. So let's uh, move on to Pelosi's turn to speak. Again, it's still going OK. Um, but and, and, and she is she thanks him for uh, thanks the president for bringing them down and hopes they can work in a bipartisan manner. And here you go. I think the American people recognize that we must keep government open, that a shutdown is not worth anything, and that you should not have a Trump shutdown. Uh, you have the, oh, the oh, White House, Did you Trump, Trump shutdown. Oh. Oh. You have the White House. Go you have the Senate. You have the House of Representatives. 
By, did you hear what the president said, the aside? I don't know. Could he catch that? Yeah, yeah. He said, I was going to call it the Pelosi shutdown. <laughs> um, so anyway, we're, 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 still doing, we're still doing fine. But that's first blood. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a big moment because Nancy Pelosi interjects there and jabs the president with his own name. And, and you can tell the president's caught off guard. Did you, did, you, did you just call it a Trump shutdown? He didn't see it coming. He used, he's the one that usually throws out the nicknames and the labels and all that around. And in there, Pelosi, she knows what she's doing. She's getting under her skin, uh, under his skin with, that, uh, with that, little, that little aside. And then we had our Hamilton moment. You, you've seen Hamilton, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, okay. Here's the Hamilton moment. But there are no votes in the House, a majority of votes, for a wall. No matter where That's you exactly start. exactly right. You don't have if to I the needed house. the votes for the wall in the House, I would have them in one session well, would be do done. It. Do it. it doesn't help because we need 10 Democrats in no, the Senate. The fact is you do not have the votes in the House. Nancy, I do. You don't have the votes. You don't have the votes. You don't have the votes. <laughs> you can hear it. You can set it to music. You're right, John. Well, this was not the room where it happened. Let me tell you. I mean, we didn't get the, room the next where one. where it happened. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so that was something else. Now, meanwhile, uh, and maybe by the time you're listening to this podcast, we will have an answer on this, but, uh, but, but that, that has led to an effort by House Republicans to say, maybe why don't we see if we can pass something? But I, dude, I don't know. They have the that's, and that's calling a bluff. It's a big move. Again, a bold move by Nancy Pelosi backed up by Chuck Schumer to, to say, look, this is the reality. And, and if you don't think it's the reality now, it's definitely going to be the reality in a couple of weeks. Democrats have more leverage, not less. And she's saying, look, why would, I, why would I negotiate this away? It's on you. It's on your party, the party that controls Washington, to try to get something done. That's a big-time power play. And the president can argue about whether the votes are there or not. But the bottom line is now Nancy Pelosi's thrown it down and said, all right, to come up with the votes then. Maybe you don't need us at all. And so... We, we, we go on with this, though, Rick, and, and, and Schumer, by the way, one of the most striking things watching this is that Schumer doesn't seem to be able to look the president in the eye. Yeah. I, I yeah. mean, for most of this, Great point. he is looking straight ahead in Pelosi's direction. He's, I mean, his knees are practically touching the president's knees. He's right next to him, but he won't look him in the eye. And he's got that Cheshire cat grin. The whole time he what do you think's behind that? Is he is he not is he trying not to give the president the satisfaction of that eye contact? Is he showing solidarity with Nancy Pelosi? Is he playing to the cameras? Maybe he's just awkward, John, because he's not used to this either. You, legislative leaders usually there. The, Pelosi and Schumer wanted the cameras out at one point, And Trump said, no, keep him in there. A couple of times they were like, go on. Can we get these guys out? I mean, <laughs> it's, and of course, the, the, the press pool saying, no, no, we no, don't want well, to we're we good. We're good. Go anywhere. Uh, this is this is great stuff. But this is where the meeting seems to kind of spiral a little out of control. And I think – and again, we're going to get to your question of kind of who won this confrontation. Um, but it does seem that the president – and maybe he's irritated by Schumer not looking at him. Maybe he's I, – I, I don't know. But he does seem to lose his cool and it starts here. 20 but, times Chuck. you have called for, I will shut down the government if I don't get my wool. None of us have you said You want to know something? You've said okay, it. Okay, you want to put that you on You said it. I'll take it. Okay, okay, good. You know what I'll say? Yes. If we don't get what we want, one way or the other, whether it's through you, through a military, through anything you want to call, I will shut down the government. Okay, Absolutely. fair enough. And we I am disagree. proud, and I'll we tell disagree. you what, I am proud to shut down the government for border security, Chuck. I will take the mantle. I will be the one to shut it down. I'm not going to blame you for it. Suffice it to say, that is not in the Republican strategy playbook. It might be in the president's playbook, and he might be shrewder negotiator than all of them combined. But 
just before this meeting, you had Republican leaders on Capitol Hill openly saying that they didn't want to shut down and that if there is a shutdown, it's, it's going to be the Democrats' fault. I will be the one to shut it down and, and to be proud of it and say, I'm not going to blame you. Now, look, we, we know the president's going to contradict himself if it comes to a shutdown. I think you and I can agree that he's going to blame Chuck and Nancy if it comes to that. But he took a major negotiating piece off the table. The blame game is over now. He is already saying, I accept the blame. It was a smart point by Carl Hulson in the New York Times that the, the traditional dance around the government shutdown is, no, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. President Trump just flipped the script entirely and said, no, it's my fault. It's it's on me. And he, he's, he is now banking everything on the, the the push for this wall, which his base, of course, craves. But this comes after an election that he seems not to have fully accepted the results of. He's talking still about expanding the majority in the Senate. He's not addressing the 40-seat wipeout in the House, what makes Nancy Pelosi as powerful as she is right now. He's pretending like it's still, you know, 2016, 2017 and not 2018 going into 2019. So I talked to another senior White House official who um, was there for this meeting um, and with the president afterwards who was expressing almost exasperation at at Schumer, saying Schumer knows Trump longer than just about anybody in Washington. I mean, they got a Brooklyn, Queens thing going on. Uh, Of course, the president donated his campaigns going way back. Um, They've they've got a similar propensity to run to cameras. <laughs> I mean, they're different, but they are have, a, have have actually a lot in common. And this person said, if there's anybody who could come into the come into the Oval Office, close the door, and sit down with the president and say, let's make a deal, it would be Chuck Schumer. This is what this White House official said to me. And he won't do it. He hasn't do, he hasn't done it. He won't come down. He won't call the president. He so. I don't know if any of that's true, but I thought the exasperation was quite revealing and quite interesting. And if I were a conservative Republican in Congress, I would be petrified of the possibility that the president would make a deal where he would get funding for his wall and give up just about anything in the world in return. Because as you know, conservatives traditionally haven't really cared much about the wall. Right. So it's not a top priority for them. It's become right. more so for many because of the president talked about it. But it's not it's not a bedrock principle. But what would the president give up to get it? It sounds like the world at this at this stage. Yeah. And uh, again, read it into Mike Pence's face. He saw this was going south. He saw this was going badly. And and he was all of those conservative Republicans that are watching this president. So you can read Mike Pence's. I can tell. Oh, yeah. Exactly going on. It's, it's really? Yes. The open book right there in Mike Pence's oh, facial expressions. Yeah. Watching the ping pong back and forth. I, I, look, the, that's that's why this is a potentially pivotal moment is that the president has basically negotiate, negotiated the way all this leverage around this wall and made clear he will shut down a portion of, the, of his own federal government, the federal government that the president actually runs over this one issue of the wall. Now, look, he could say there's the wall is being built. He does say the wall is being built. He could say this one and a half billion the Democrats are giving me is going to help build the wall. He could order the military down there to start building the wall. There's lots of off ramps for the president here. But he is. I'm not sure he can actually order the military to build the wall. Well, but he could but say he is. He, okay, he can, we can agree he, that he, well, can he can say he a lot is. Of yeah. right, exactly. Right, yeah, yeah. We, we, can, we can agree that he can say that and declare walk away and declare victory. But is he now dug in a little a little too deep here and, and beyond where he, his own party can even bail him out, particularly as the Democrats set to flex their muscles with, uh, with control of the House? 
So they they eventually did send the cameras out. They spoke for another half hour or so. Uh, it sounds like the meeting went very similarly without the cameras there. Um, and then Pelosi and Schumer came to the cameras, and I asked the first thing that popped in my mind. Given what we saw in there, the, the, the bickering, the back and forth, what does this say about your ability to, to work with this president over the next two years? Well, I told the president, as I've said over and over again, this new Congress will be something different from the Congress we have now. <laughs> That's a bit of an understatement. She went on to say that she was extending the hand of friendship, friendship, um, and hoped that they would work together. But they were there, there were certain bedrock principles they were not gonna they were not gonna move on. So, to my mind, John, to answer the question I posed earlier, Pelosi owned Donald Trump. Pretty incredible and speaks uh, speaks pretty loudly about where Pelosi stands at this moment. It's going to help her inside her own conference where she's still got a little bit of a battle ahead to actually become House Speaker. She is a bigger figure. And it wasn't lost on me or, or I think anyone in Washington that her aides uh, let word out about the private conversation she had with uh, with her colleagues afterward, where she said for the president, uh, the wall is a little bit like a manhood thing, uh, as if you can ever talk about manhood with this president. That is what's known in the business as a low blow. And I think uh, – So to speak. So to speak. So, yeah, uh, I, I want to – and we have to take our break, come to our surprise guest. But, I, I, but I, you've raised a very important point, um, which is Pelosi then went to Capitol Hill and she met privately with a group of, of, of Democrats. And it was an aide that was in that room who told reporters – give a readout of, of what Pelosi said. And let me just say, this wasn't like an accidental leak. Right. This was, they were proactively putting this out. That's what, that's what just, just so you know, Rick, when, when, when you're at home and you're reading all the different newspapers and you're watching the TV and you see the same quote kind of from a closed door meeting going everywhere, that's because there's a, there's, it, was, it was, wasn't like some leak. This was, they wanted this out there. So, that, so here's the quote. Here's the, here's the actual quote put out by a top Democratic aide on Capitol Hill, quoting Nancy Pelosi, describing the meeting, describing the president's obsession with the wall. Quote, it's like a manhood thing for him, as if manhood could ever be associated with him. That is the presumptive incoming <laughs> Speaker of the House talking about the President of the United States. And there you go. And scene for Nancy Pelosi, indeed. Uh, she goes back to Capitol Hill as a as a newly empowered figure, having uh, having won round one. She and Chuck Schumer re- winning round one, in my humble opinion, against the president. Yes, I'm not really prepared to say that. Um, I think that I think that Pelosi looked clearly like the adult in that room. Um, I, I'm not sure if Schumer's body language and unwillingness to look at the president, the slouch, the the, the smirk, I'm not sure that really plays out in, 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 in the right way, although he clearly got what he wanted in terms of getting the president to take ownership of the wall, and it was Schumer that goaded him to do that. But I'm not prepared to say that this was a clear win for the Democrats at this point. But we will ask our surprise guest, uh, and we are going to get to the Bryce Harper, Manny Machado uh, uh, question when we return. 
Do you spend the night tossing and turning? Are you dealing with a stiff neck and back for months? If you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you've got to try a Purple Mattress. The Purple Mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced because it uses a new material developed by an actual rocket scientist. The Purple Mattress feels very unique because it's both firm and soft, so it keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Plus, it's breathable, so it sleeps cool. Try your Purple Mattress with a 100-night risk-free trial, and if you're not fully satisfied, you can return it for a full refund. Your Purple Mattress is backed by a 10-year warranty, free shipping, and returns. You're going to love Purple, and right now our listeners will get a free Purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. Just text POWERHOUSE to 474747. The only way to get this free pillow is to text POWERHOUSE to 474747. Message and data rates may apply. All right, welcome back to Powerhouse Politics. Uh, I, I promised you a surprise guest. I, I, I should have said we haven't actually booked the surprise guest. So, <laughs> so uh, But we're going to try to call his number. So I, I'm going to ask uh, our chief senior executive producer, Trevor Hastings, uh, if you can please uh, uh, dial that number that I, that I passed on to you. Can, you. can you do that, Trevor? God, he's good at this. He's good at this. Don't know for sure if he's going to answer, so this, could, this, could, this is a little bit of a risk for the podcast, but we are... We, you know, we, we live on the edge with this, yeah. uh, with this podcast, but, it's some, but this is somebody who knows politics, knows congressional politics, knows the players, uh, but also is a, is a big, big, big baseball fan. And is he going to answer the phone? What, 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 what's your prediction on this? No chance. No chance? Franklin. You don't think he's going to? Whoa, whoa. Whoa, there he is. Minute, wait a minute. Who, uh, is, this, is, this, is this Dr. Frank Luntz? This sounds like Jonathan Carl from ABC. Yes, we are. We are. You're on live uh, the podcast. Uh, I've got Rick Klein uh, with us, and we were wondering if we could we could talk to you for a few minutes. Do you have a few minutes? Uh, well, uh, Mr. Klein can. You can't. But uh, Rick, whatever questions you got, <laughs> oh, Frank, me. you're too you're you're too kind. You're too uh, kind. All right, Rick, go ahead. Well, let's start with the Chuck and Nancy show, Frank. Who who wins this first interaction? This this pretty extraordinary moment live televised in the Oval Office. Who walks away bigger? Who walks away smaller? How about we all walk away smaller? <laughs> Why do you say I that? Mean, come on. Because we're in a situation now where every rule of decorum is now broken. That people say and do anything at any time, anywhere, both sides. And uh, I guess people watching thought it was kind of amusing. I thought it was really, uh, really sad. Who played whom? Did, 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 did Chuck and Nancy get played by falling into that exact trap that you're talking about? Or did Donald Trump get played when confronted by Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and then into that extraordinary situation he put himself in where he says, I will own proudly a government shutdown? Uh, again, just watch. You guys have kids. Watch how your kids start to behave. Watch how we start to treat each other in public, not just in private. Uh, you're looking for a political advantage. I'm out there doing focus groups every single week, some of them which air on your network. And it's depressing because there's now nothing that we won't say, no place that we won't say it. We'll justify it for partisan purposes, or we'll speak with outrage. It's just another example of why our political system is so, so totally broken. 
It was it was really uh, a, a sight to see, Frank, and and uh, you know for so many reasons it was something that we'd never seen before. But but I but I was struck at the at the lack of respect, um, the lack of respect for the president, the lack of respect that the president had for the for the congressional leadership. Um, you know, m- much was made of the of the president referring to uh, the presumptive incoming Speaker of the House as Nancy. I, I don't I don't know if that was really, you know, I mean, I, I, I think that they actually do know each other and they call each other by their first name, although she did call him <laughs> Mr. President. Um, but but then you had um, we, we were just talking about the, you know, Schumer not even willing to apparently look the president in the eye uh, it was really something else. It's all bad. I don't see it getting any better. I think this is a view that the country is going to have going forward. I think that this is going to be the way politics works over the next two years, that we will hit a stalemate, that both sides will seek whatever kind of communication advantage they can get, and the public be damned. The public is screwed. Look, I, I, I get that journalists are always trying to figure out who won and who lost. At some point, we have to step back, put down our eye shades and our pens and pads, and look at the condition of the country. It isn't good. And you see it, I see it in my travels. People insulting each other, uh, this phony outrage, some of it real. Uh, Guys, it really sucks. So what what do you 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 are close to you know the Republican leadership on on the Hill on both sides how 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 was this received uh, hearing the uh, the president embrace the idea of a government shutdown Most Republicans were deeply concerned by it because in the end whoever is seen as shutting down the government is seen as playing politics or losing. Uh, and this is something that I've been aware of going back to 1995, 96, when I first got involved. And there was the shutdown with Bill Clinton and congressional Republicans were blamed for it. And as recently as last year, when the government was briefly shut down, it was the Democrats who were blamed because of how they handled it. You want if you use that strategy, it has to be out of regret. It has to be out of of exasperation. It has to be the last measure to get something of principle done. And I think that the president will find himself in a difficult situation because of the words that he used. That said, if you say you're shutting down the government over the security of the country and you can prove a legitimate threat, it might, it might work to your favor. But my hunch is that... He said the wrong thing at the wrong time, and it'll make it more difficult for Republicans. But remember, there's no election now for two years, and people forget life in Washington after two weeks. So I don't think it will have any lasting implication for anyone, the exception of all of us. But before we get to baseball, Frank, just on that point, so the, the we're, we're entering a new world come January. Democrats are control the House. They just want 40 seats. They're going to control all the subpoenas and investigations and the legislative agenda, at least on, on one on, on one side of the Capitol. 
do you feel like President Trump has internalized that, understands how different his world is going to be? We heard him again in the Oval Office crowing about picking up ground in the Senate. Uh, true, North Dakota, Indiana, as Chuck Schumer said, that's that's nice for you, Mr. President. But they got wiped out in the suburbs, <laughs> and the reality of that settles in in January. Does the president get that? I don't know if he does. I know that the last time it shifted back in 2006. Well, I, I go back to 1994. The Democrats were in absolute gaze. I remember walking to the Capitol on January 3rd, 1995, and the Democrats could not understand what had happened to them because it was the first time in 40 years. Fast forward to 2007, it took House Republicans about five weeks to understand that they no longer set the agenda, they no longer controlled the calendar. They no longer had majorities on committees. They could no longer introduce legislation. Five weeks before they really got what it meant to be in the minority. And now you have Democrats, because of so much turnover, who are the majority party in the House. And over half of them don't know what that means and don't realize that as much power as they think they have, if you're a House Democrat, you have even more. It, it takes a while for it to set in. All right. Can we turn to baseball, Frank? I, it's amazing that our country is going to hell, and, you, and this is so frivolous. <laughs> Wait, you, we, you can make baseball frivolous? We can, we can unite the country around baseball, Frank. That's the goal here. Frank. But, but I, I mean, the thing is, John, I expect it from you, but Rick, <laughs> you have the highest journalistic ethics and standards. <laughs> I would assume you, at least, would be focused on these things that are affecting every American day to day. These casual insults, Frank, it's not making our country good. Okay, so I, I I, the, question, the question we're exploring is, uh, is we have uh, uh, t- two of the very best players in baseball free agents at the same time, which is not something that we see typically happen. Um, Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, both 26 years old, um, both uh, uh, seven years uh, in, 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 in the big leagues. Bryce in that first year played, played more than, than Manny, but... Uh, I want to. I want to go over some of these. First of all, Frank, the, the big question is: is where are these guys going to go? Who's going to get more money? So I am going to ask you for winners and losers on this. Um, uh, there's a difference, John. I mean, I, you and I have known each other for a long time, and I credit you for for uh, being a better uh, pundit when it comes to baseball. Who's going to do well and who isn't? So I will defer to you. I'll just make one comment. Mm-hmm. Bryce Harper is the the way that he plays and the way that he interacts with his teammates and with the fans is a notch above Machado, um, and I think that that could make a difference in which one gets paid more and which one has a greater say in where he goes. We never talk about the role of team in sports that much. Uh, and it really matters in baseball because one standout person does not give you a World Series ring. And I think the character of the player has an impact on whether fans are willing to pay the extra money to attend the games that enable the owners to make the purchase. And I think Harper has an advantage there. And I think you're going to see that over the coming weeks. I'll give you marketability on Bryce Harper. But you're going to say that he is a, a, a better teammate maybe that's a low bar because we're talking about Manny Machado whose whose off-field antics have not done him any favors although he's quieted it down a little bit but 
you think Bryce Harper makes the guys around him better baseball players? If so, where where, where are those where are those where are those championships for the Nationals the last six seven years? Absolutely, that's a very legitimate point. But that's that is also my point, which is that one player does not make a team. One player helps you build a team. One player sets the tone for every other. But chemistry is worth at least five games in a 162-game series. And chemistry is what pulls you together in those pressure situations. Do you think the are, are, are owners still willing to pay the big bucks for the players? We've seen a chill in the free agent market. Is there something going on there? There's a challenge in baseball. And some of the owners will acknowledge it. Others are trying to cover their heads. That if you look at the popularity of the sport among people over age 50, it is as strong as it's ever been. But if you look at how those in their teens and 20s are reacting to it, it's not number one anymore. It's not even number two anymore. And so I understand why some owners are nervous because there were a lot of stadiums this year that were only two-thirds or three-quarters full. And adding another marquee player, while it will bring people to the turnstiles, they may not be willing to pay for it. I'm not surprised that there's been that chill, as you described. I think baseball needs to take a hard look at the game and how it relates to the next generation of fans. The little leagues are still doing great, and that's a good sign. But but younger fans are simply not showing up in the games as much as they used to. All right. Well, Frank, on that note, we will be at the games. We'll be at as many as we can, and we think the Nationals... Even without Bryce Harper. Better season than last. I think they're going to do better than they did last year. So uh, Mark that I, down. I will, I will say that. And I think Harper ends up getting more money than Machado. Neither one of them gets as much as they think they're going to get. And, and there you go. Frank Luntz, thank you for joining us on a surprise appearance here on Powerhouse Politics. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Best podcast in America. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Frank. Okay, all right. Well, that is all the time we have for this edition of Powerhouse Politics. I think we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening, and thank you to Avery Miller, Trevor Hastings, Angie Yak, the entire Powerhouse Politics team.